The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Sitting here on a Thursday, and, and, and yeah, I know you set your watch by it. We are going to have some college football playoff national championship best bets, our picks, sides, Total quarters. We're saving the props for Monday. Monday, big old title game prop show at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Plus, got to get into some of the latest portal buzz uh, and other, you know, little bits of personnel notes uh, throughout the day. Uh, Danny, Danny, you're back. How are we feeling? It's uh, I feel like, I feel like we haven't gotten a chance to check in uh, in a while. So so DK, what's uh what what are the vibes like uh, since we we got to hear from you on Monday night? Mm-hmm. Um, are we settled now? People have been calling for the return of DK. Yeah, it was uh, a little nutty. It's always risky in our business taking a vacation um, around the playoffs, around New Year's. But when you have a free mansion to stay in when you get that offer it's really hard to turn it down so i jumped on that it was a blast time zones are an issue but now i'm well rested well studied watch some of the uh playoffs on uh well no yeah don't call the name out some some of the game film from them uh from both teams so yeah i'm ready to go prepped and ready to go good to be back home and uh headed out to houston on saturday uh to be on site there in houston that's right. DK will be a part of the CBS Sports HQ coverage, so make sure that you are uh, dialed into that as well. Yeah, you did a you're, you're a trooper. Just just fighting. What did you have? Like four hours of sleep on that Monday night? Yeah, I think three twenty five. The part that I'm bummed about the most is Tom had his viral take about Roma Dunze, uh, Roma Dunze being the best receiver in the country and he's gonna have a better career, and he would draft him ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. And of course. I'm the one featured next to him, and I'm barely awake. Like, I look just I'm, – I'm hurting. And, of course, it gets, like, all these views, and I'm just sitting there, like, just looking like a zombie. But, thankfully, Tom's take was strong enough where I think it took those eyeballs off me. Yeah, and, and you I, did uh, – DK did give us a full view of the mansion on the walk and talk. Yeah. Or in the Orange Bowl. As, yeah. as you're, like, if you were able to see exactly how expansive it is, it was fantastic. All right. So, speaking of some of the things that have happened since that Monday night – um, you know, Alabama, we've got just a 
kind of a big exodus right now. Now, we've got uh, almost double-digit numbers into the transfer portal. Not all of those these portal names are going to stand out to you, except for, unfortunately, the very notable starting center, Seth McLaughlin, who, uh, you know, the those snap issues were a big, big storyline from the Rose Bowl. Uh, some other players that you might recognize on that list, a former five-star receiver, Shaz Preston, freshman quarterback, Eli Holstein. We also have J.C. Latham, the, uh, the stud tackle, is off to the NFL draft. You know, but as we're always trying to do the personnel ins and outs, looking at Alabama's roster, you are going to have some ex, you know, expected turnover here, but of these exits and departures, and, and as we're looking ahead to what Alabama's got coming in, um, what what stands out as some of the most notable headlines to you? Um, so I think it is hard to keep quality depth in today's day and age when other, other places have starting spots for you and also the NIL that comes uh, you know, commensurate with a starting spot. Is Seth McLaughlin good? No. He's not horrendous at, at blocking. Now, the snapping throughout the year was a problem. You know, Terrence Ferguson is a guy who I think will go to another Power 5 program as an offensive lineman and start. Uh, I will say on 24-7, Chaz Preston was definitely not a five-star. So just do want to point that out. Like, he's a decent receiver, but just kind of another, all right, like the third or fourth best guy that Bama signs in their receiver class on an annual basis. Some will hit, some won't, some will wash out. He has I mean, we've seen that with Alabama's wide receivers basically since the star run. Like yeah. since Jalen Waddle, we've had a lot of guys come in, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, Trayshawn Holden, and like, yeah, they might flash when they transfer somewhere else, but it's not like we've seen that kind of dominance since about 20, you know, 2020, 2021. They may have them this year coming in. Okay. With, with Perry Thompson and, and if Ryan Williams sticks, he hasn't signed yet. He's just committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those guys are, are pretty nice. Um, Eli Holstein, I, I saw on Twitter there was like some pit interest. I'm just not somebody who ever thought that he could play at Alabama like at all. And uh, I just I never understood why they would take him. But they did, and he's gone after a year. So not surprising to me there. Maybe he can work uh, at Pitt. Um, yeah, I just didn't see it with him. Who else on this list really matters? Like, I don't know. None of these guys are losing, I think, are impact guys. Mm, that's good. See, that's good to point out because when the headline is like, whoa, this big tidal wave of, of players leaving right now, what does that mean for Alabama? Like, like, like t- Tom, does does your antenna stick up? Because, you know, we're, we got to have that conversation, right? By the yeah. way, I, I, I need to – excuse me – I. I was thinking Ryan Williams, Auburn, at, just because like they're trying to flip him. Uh, Perry Thompson is actually going to Auburn. I, I don't want that to get clipped. And yeah, <clears throat> okay. apologies. Oh, Perry Thompson flip watch. Bud Elliott reporting here on the Cover Three podcast. Everybody, because we just shot a video about Cam Coleman. Cam Coleman is the truth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think clearly, Chip, there is a culture problem at Alabama, and Nick <laughs> Saban has lost control of the locker room. Is he retiring? I think these signs all point to yes. Well. <clears throat> I don't know. Like he might. Be. We did ask. Do we think he wins another title? Like, I, I don't. I don't either. Do I think, think it's going to be so much harder to win a title now for Alabama. Is it though? Yeah, because I mean, but access is access has always been the thing. Like for me, it's been why the SEC has had such advantage. They've gotten two teams in the playoff, you know, for a lot of the years. So you get that. They're going to get a majority of the teams in the 12th team. And if you're Bama, you're almost going to punch a ticket at the beginning of the season based on perception. I mean, they're going to go 10 and two, and that's in, and potentially nine and three. But see, that's the thing. I look around at the SEC, I think other programs are moving up. And I also think that Alabama, like, they don't have to beat them, though. No, but are they ever going to get the first round by? Like Alabama, more often than not at this point with the way Georgia's rolling, is probably going to have to win three games to win a national title once it gets to the playoff. And we've seen, like, they haven't won a playoff game in how many years now? It's like we talk about they haven't won a national title in three years. They haven't won a playoff game in a few years. So it's like I don't know if I have enough trust in them right now to win three games and win another national title. I think they're going to be getting to the playoff pretty regularly, but I don't know if they're ever going to be my favorite to win it once they get there. Isn't it four if you're first round? First round, quarterfinal, semifinal title. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, four. Yeah. So like, do you is Alabama 
you know, the, the odds that are changing right now, you're going to have to win twice as many games if you make the playoff to go and win a national championship. I mean, I think they could, but I don't think that it's as surefire as it has been before. I mean, this was this was supposed to be on paper one of the most talented Alabama teams, and the performance did not line up at all. I think it all depends. And what's crazy is that as I say this, they had Bryce Young and Will Anderson and did not win a title with those two. But I think it is kind of quarterback dependent. Like if they get another, yeah, you know, game changer, a quarterback who I don't think Jalen Milrow is right now. He has to make what? a drastic jump in being a quarterback, going through progressions, not just deep balls and, you know, running, but he's got to be that mid-range quarterback. If he develops, I think he can, but I still think they're that's the piece they're missing. Is Julian saying the answer? I mean, that's their uh, that's their stud quarterback coming in. Maybe not for twenty twenty four, but is that somebody who can lead Alabama to a national championship? I, I think he could. Yeah, that that that's he does seem different than the guys they've signed since Bryce Young. And it could be somebody else that we don't even know about in the portal. You know, well, it wasn't yeah, this year. This right, year, right, not. clearly was not. But there, I think they're always in that mix. Well, I mean. Who hasn't jumped in? Who 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 would kind of scratch that itch? Like who, who can they? Who can they? Will uh, Howard. I don't want to say tamper. No, I think this year they're not. They they almost because of the way Jalen Milrow played. He, they're not in the market this year. I'm saying next year. You know, post. I think they would Milrow. be in the market if the right guy. Like I I, I don't think all of that staff believes in Milrow. I think some do. I yeah. mean, they clearly didn't believe in him after the spring, right? They, yeah, they went and yeah. took Tyler Buckner, who's a lacrosse didn't player. They believe right? him after Texas, or yeah, <laughs> when they benched him. And that was the funniest thing to me about the whole Bill O'Brien snafu at the press conferences before the games about Bill O'Brien didn't think he could play quarterback. I'm like, dude, your current coaching staff benched you for Ty Buckner and didn't believe yeah. in you all offseason. Also, do you think Nick Saban disagreed with Bill O'Brien? Like, Do you think Nick, Bill O'Brien's allowed to say that if Nick Saban doesn't agree with him? Because I don't. I just mm. think Jalen Murrow can't call out Nick Saban because he's his current head coach. Milrow was taking reps at receiver at last year's Cotton Bowl. I mean, like I don't know. I don't think I don't think Alabama is going to win a national title with Jalen Milrow with quarterback. Okay, I agree. I did. I that's a that's a fair uh, fair way to put it. All right, uh, other um, other NFL draft exits of note. I would not say that this is a headliner, but y'all saw Will Shipley it's off to the NFL draft. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's a loss for Clemson. I'm not good at the NFL draft, you know, projections in terms of what he's going to be, but uh, certainly something to to keep an eye on as as Clemson, you know, looks to try to have a, a bounce back moving forward. It, either decisions to come back or you know decisions to go. It, anything stand out from sort of the the last couple days of of buzz here? And for those who are keeping track, our deadline I believe is two weeks away or about a week and a half away. Mm-hmm. It's the the Tuesday, not next week, but then the Tuesday after that is our early entrance deadline. So uh, any any names or any decisions that have stood out? Uh, first of all, I can't wait to see who the first person to compare Will Shipley to Christian McCaffrey is because you know that's going to happen. I'm guilty. Oh, yeah. You've done it this morning on the race. Oh, but here was the way. But here was the way it was described. Poor man's Christian McCaffrey. Because he's not a as very dynamic. Poor man's he's not going to be an MVP. But I do think there are similarities to the style of play. And yeah, they, they are both color. runners and pass he's not as They're explosive. both effective at that. Yep. But he's, he's a good receiver. Like, I, mm-hmm. like, there are some similarities, but he's not. he doesn't have the top end. <laughs> Damn Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the the draft discussion, the two quarterbacks, one with a five second video, which doesn't have a lot of enthusiasm with Cam Ward, the other with Will Howard saying now he's is this more about leverage, you think, or is this actuality? Because I you know, Cam Ward does not have an agent yet, correct? So oh. there is still some speculation that this could be one more leverage play. Like could I Miami drop think, an enormous bag on him to, to make, make him come back, like to make him actually right, he just in case, which which could absolutely backfire on him, um, and then he could be sitting there watching the second round go by and you know see if somebody takes him as a project, and then Will Howard, who I was surprised when he said it, but he is he is bigger, he fits the the model as far as size and athleticism, kind of the new NFL where you have to be mobile. He is a pretty good runner. I thought that was a little more curious, and. 
like the teams that are in the market for these potentially two, because it's really these two are the only ones left that really give you a lot of excitement in the immediate future. Like, does Ohio State get desperate? Does, you know, and potentially drop that bag at their feet? I think those two are kind of still interesting. I think if you're Ohio State, you're trying to play this carefully so that Brown doesn't jump in the portal. Because if you played in one of the New Year's six games, don't you get an extra like four days to jump in? I don't know. Yes, you do have an extended uh, portal window. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm Ohio State, I'm going to wait to announce Will Howard as long as I can. Or whoever it might be. be. What? Or whoever it might be. Correct. Yeah. I'm going to wait to announce him until Brown can't hit the portal. Interesting. And have them both go through spring. Yeah, because for those, like, again, just to explain the mechanics of it, the deadline is to enter. It's not like when you enter, there's a deadline to make a commitment. Your deadline to make a commitment is enrolling in order to be an active member of the roster for the fall. I mean, am I wrong? You could potentially spend, I guess your academic eligibility could be an issue, but, you know, you you don't have to, by January 15th, have committed to your next school um, if, if you want to choose to do so in the summer. But getting into the portal in this window is, uh, is something that you need to do here in the next little bit. And somehow, we've seen before, guys get away. They somehow get up to speed academically, even though they've missed the deadlines. Like It's amazing how that works out. It does. Oh, man. Did you see what they asked DJU about going to Tallahassee? Like, hey, when are you supposed to be on campus? You know, when does class start? And he was like, I have no idea. He's like, I haven't, I haven't gotten that far yet. It is such... I think even the coaches now are like, what are we doing? You know, I, I just, it, I, with these old, hey, list, like, I'm not trying to defend Kirby it. Kirby Smart, too. With, with the grad transfers, too, because we're just trying to get you into like whatever grad program is going to like get you on the field. Mm. And it's probably online classes, right? Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, are you, you're not, you're not hanging the school stuff. It's always been kind of a sham, although I, I did, like take pride in being a student athlete. I mean, parents kind of made me take pride in it, but I mean, it, it is something that, you know, I just think it's going to fall by the wayside. It already is even more of a joke than it's ever been. I just wonder if it comes optional, you know, at some point. I mean, with all the education your father had, he was not about to let his son just skate. Right. <laughs> when Kirby was talking about like, we got to change the calendar and, and, and we got to fix all this stuff. Um, after the orange bowl, I thought he was like, Real close to dropping. Like, why do we have to do this school stuff anymore? So, <laughs> Cardell Jones is going to be right all along. Yeah, come exactly. here to play school. A lot of guys are right. Bill O'Brien, Cardell Jones, just you know, <laughs> they they get roasted, uh, and and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a second. Anyway, uh, any other NFL draft before we hit a break, and then on the other side, get into some of the latest portal action. Um, any other NFL draft notes that, that have come out from the recent waves of announcements or non-announcements? I thought Tyler Williams uh, was a nice keep for mm-hmm. Ohio State. So kind of seeing like our other Buckeyes going to come back, that'll be interesting because I, I, we, we did this, this discussion yesterday. We didn't get Danny's take. I, I think if McCarthy goes, Ohio State's your favorite for the Big Ten next year. Like if he goes pro. Yeah, who, who would you take in the Big Ten next year? even without knowing what either school has. So that's your point, that they have a better roster? Correct. I think, coming back. I thought they yeah, had a better I, roster this year. Yeah. It's hard to take that title uh, from a team that's done it three years in a row. The game back in Columbus, right? Yeah. That's probably what would swing my vote, too, just about being where it is. And yeah. while we have like Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, like stud receivers that are going to be the next ones up, um, I still think Ohio State's probably better because of its defense. And Tyleek's a big part of that. Like it's it's going to be a nasty, nasty Buckeyes defense again, just like it was this year. And I think Michigan's defense will be really good again too. I, I quarterback to me is a question there. If if McCarthy's gone, yeah. Yes, I do think Ohio State is the favorite. Everybody should make the odds that Ohio State is the favorite. I definitely will not try to take advantage of that. You're trying. You're trying to manipulate the market. We had a. I would never. A a friend. (laughs) A friend of ours. uh, During it. Never mind. I'm. 
Never mind. <laughs> Not going to get anybody <laughs> in trouble right here. All right. Um, Coming up. Oh, yeah. We need to get DJ or we, we need to get Denny's thoughts on DJU, Florida State. Yes. Woo! Yeah. That's not what you wanted, Mike. No, so I think clearly the way I was coming into this, Cam Ward was the guy that I would have been targeting. They were too. But, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was price, you know, dragging your feet. It was taking too long. They decided to move on. I thought DJ Uyungale was the safe pick all along. I think there's a very safe floor with DJU. But what I'm interested to see is Mike Norvell, who did develop Jordan Travis into the quarterback he is, like took him from a guy that was on the cusp of maybe switching positions to receiver to a Heisman Trophy candidate and a player who, you know, really orchestrated, you know, that last season of an undefeated run for the majority of it. I'm curious to see what Mike Norvell can do with DJU because no one's been able to elevate him from, you know, Jag. Is that fair? Jag plus? To, I would say Jag plus. Yeah, Jag plus. I think he's to, plus, but yeah. Yeah, so for, no one's been able to elevate DJU from Jag plus to elite college quarterback, which was his expectations coming out of high school and been his expectation every year he's played. I'm curious to see if Mike Norvell can do that. Um, but I think it's also going to come with what does that roster look around him because they're losing so much production, and that's going to be a part of the challenge as well. But I do think he'll create a system that will fit his skill set more so than the types of things they were running with Jordan Travis. So I'm excited for it. But I, I, I think it's the safe pick. I don't think it's the, the pick that says Florida State is back in the you know ACC undefeated title run. I think it's a, okay, at least we know that bottom drops out. Probably nine and three is the worst case scenario. But let's see if we can get him to elevate versus the top tier com- competition. There is nobody in the world more relieved right now than producer Jordan. Because I was waiting for you and Bud. And Bud yesterday had the same reaction. I was waiting for you and Bud to hype up DJU and be all excited about it. And I was going to make Jordan go through all the old episodes and put together a video clip of YouTube bashing DJU. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold no, on. You guys had fair. to come with reasonable opinions about it. <laughs> to be fair, although you can save the clip of me celebrating. That could be the, the one just put out that. Um he what even going back to Clemson, it was always is the problem DJU or is it the coordinator? Like that mm-hmm. was very much a you know a nuanced discussion. But then I do think like it started off so well at Oregon State. I mean, he was he had a pretty good first five, six games, and then it finished almost identical to what he did the year previous at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So again, can he take him to that next level? That'll be a challenge. I'll also say at Oregon yeah, State, I, he played behind a better offensive line than the one he ever played Clemson. behind in Clemson. Yeah. Danny, I was like, this is what you, like, I think you take him to avoid the bottom dropping out like a six and six, seven and five. Right. You know, if he stays healthy, I have a hard time seeing them be worse than eight and four for the most part. And if if it doesn't work out, you hope that you Brock Glenn is is right. up to speed, you know? Yeah. I mean, like what? Like, there's also the chance Brock Glenn just takes a big jump. Like they do like him quite a bit. Yeah. And like Tate's gone, right? Like that, our quarterback depth chart is he's apparently DJU. visiting South Carolina. Interesting. So interesting. So it's like I think DJU Brockland. Lenora Sellers is going to be the starter right? of South Carolina, right? I have not like, checked in on the South Carolina quarterback room. I would assume that would be Tate to be a backup, like like veteran backup type thing. All right. Coming up on the other side, we got a little bit of breaking portal related news. So it's great that we haven't even gotten into the segment yet. We'll go beam up into the transfer portal next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. 
from LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account. Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Going to remind you once again, because the voting is open through January 28th, but we here at the Cover 3 Podcast are a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast category in the Sports Podcast Awards. Now, is this our first time being a finalist? No, we've been here before, but this time we're trying to bring home the trophy. So help us bring home the hardware and be the winners in the Best American Football Podcast category. And you can scan that QR code on the screen. Now, if you're listening to this, we'll include the link in the episode description. If you're watching this, we also have a link. The whole process of voting only takes about 30 seconds. It's so easy. We appreciate those of you who have voted. You've tweeted at us. You showed us that you are offering your support. We, You all got us here. Seriously, y'all's support of the Cover 3 podcast has allowed us to be a finalist once again, but we need your votes uh, to be able to bring it home. So again, QR code on the screen. Uh, you've got the link in the live chat and the link in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast on the audio side. We appreciate your continued support of the Cover 3 podcast. Now, we have a great team here at the Cover 3 podcast, uh, including our animations, which have really leveled up this year. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let, let's jump on into that portal. Outstanding work. Right? Just, I, think, I think the silhouette of DJU was one of those first ones, too. <laughs> right. So very timely. Um, <clears throat> breaking news here uh, from 24-7 Sports, Matt Zenitz. Ole Miss star running back Quinshawn Judkins has informed the Rebel staff he plans to enter the transfer portal. Um, that is incredibly uh, interesting for the fact that Ole Miss has been a program and a team that we've seen really load up on some of the top portal talent, specifically off the top of my head on the defensive side of the football. We've looked at Ole Miss's schedule draw uh, in the 2024 season and, and assumed that this is Lane Kiffin and that program going chips in, trying to make a run here. But then you lose a player like Judkins. Um, Tom, is this... How, how do you change your evaluation here uh, of Judkins and of Ole Miss uh, as we look at one of the SEC's top running backs over the last two seasons potentially potentially uh, leaving the Rebels program? He's a good player. I don't know how much it changes my opinion of Ole Miss next year. Like It's one of those things where clearly, this is my read, you bring in all these guys in the portal, you're spreading some cash around to do so and players on your current roster are saying well how much of that can i get they go looking for it and they're not going to get it and now they're going to go get it somewhere else i think that's probably what's happening here i don't know if i'm Ole miss i'm looking to invest a ton of money into the running back position especially in that offense because as good as i think judkins is i think you can find a replacement in fact i think they probably already have that replacement on the roster what will be interesting to see is what kind of market Judkins commands God I can't believe I'm talking this way about college football players but it will be interesting to see what kind of market there is for him because he's a talented player there are going to be teams who feel that they need to upgrade at running back and is there a team out there who maybe is a playoff contender a conference title contender who thinks that they're a running back away and therefore will have value at the position to pay what he's probably looking to get. Because I think in a vacuum, this is really no different than the NFL, where I don't know how much money college programs, I think running backs matter more in college than they do in the NFL. Yeah. I don't think that the market value is going to be like, you know, like if a quarterback, if we can go off of what uh, Matt Rule's saying, if quarterbacks getting one and a half to two million, I don't think running backs are getting a million. I don't think they're, I, oh, I think no. you're. Hmm? I, I, I think like a a really good running back is probably getting like three to three fifty. Yeah. 
Like, if you can get 500 grand as a running back, I feel like you've done very, very, very well. That's an elite number for a running mm-hmm. back. Now, here's the thing. There's no long-term deals in college football, right? So that's one of the reasons they don't get paid in the NFL because the NFL, you know, chews them up, spits them out. I wouldn't pay a running back in the NFL. I probably wouldn't pay crazy money for a running back in college, but it is just a one-year deal. So if you're confident that that Judkins is going to run hard and play hard for you in, in, in all the games you need, to, you need to play, maybe you pay him. I think with Ole Miss, though, and a couple of these schools that really attack the portal early, I think we hear the sounds of some some brakes screeching a little bit, and that is the two-time transfer rule. Ole Miss already had a lot of transfers on their roster, and a lot of these teams were operating under the assumption that those players didn't have any leverage because Mm. they couldn't go anywhere. So if you jumped out and you spent a boatload of money before the two-time transfer rule came down, so you're kind of pot committed to all those kids you just bought. And then you got guys on your roster who are like, hey, uh, what about me? Because now I got leverage again. I can go somewhere else, right? My negotiation just changed. Like, I know there were schools who thought Dart was going to hop in. Mm-hmm. So Old Miss might have just had to put out a Dart fire. And, like, at some point, maybe they don't have enough, you know, like, like there's probably other guys on their roster who transferred in, who Old Miss likes, who aren't going pro yet, who they've had to, to, to re-up. And somebody, like, not everybody can get paid. Gosh, I don't oh think darts go anywhere. By the way, like that was that was like two weeks before the uh, sure or cotton, cotton ball. whatever that was. Yeah, I'm still with Tom. Like, I can't believe we're talking about players this way. And it does bring to the attention that they have more leverage than NFL players because there aren't there's no security in most of these deals. With you're going to lock a guy in, he could leave at any time. I think this, and again to echo what Tom said, we've seen our sport, college football, become more and more like the NFL, and that includes the business aspect of it too. So as it pertains to Quinshaw Judkins, I think there's a very clear number you're willing to pay for a running back, and if you lose some of that production and maybe it's a sliver less of the upside, you're like, okay, fine, we can replace that position. But did you seem to uh, say that running backs mean more in college than the NFL? I think so, yeah. Slightly more. Yeah, you know, but I don't. I don't. I still don't think it's a game changer where you're like, we cannot lose this guy at any cost. Yeah, I, I think with a great running back in college, you could compete for a conference title if that's the focus of your offense. I don't think you can win a national title with a running back is the focus of your offense in the college level. Quinchon Judkins is a great running back at the college level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't. I don't think that system. I think that he is a. I think he's a really, really special running back. But if you go look at the first year of Kiffin, what was that, three years ago when they had two a two running back system, their numbers were pretty significant. Like They still were up there among the mm-hmm. leading rushing teams in the SEC. So I do think as much as sometimes we think of Lane Kiffin being a finesse you know, passing guy, he's still pretty physical along the run game. I think more about Kiffin in terms of scheme. I, I, think, he, I think we've seen him adapt to – you know, the personnel that he has. And I give him, I don't pencil him in necessarily as finesse, but I, for Judkins, he walked into a running back room that had Zach Evans, former blue chip prospect, Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, who had been really, really good at SMU. And he was a true freshman and he ended up being the workhorse. Like he ended up being the alpha in that room. And I think that that was, you know, talking to some people who did know him from high school you know, I, I think that it's – I think he's a special player. And I and to your, your point, bud, if Ole Miss is making a, a financial decision that we're just not going to pay because we still think that, you know, having edge rushers, being able to bolster that defense, being able to hang on to Jackson Dart, that's going to get us in a better position to make the college football playoff. I'm not going to argue with that. But I do think that if you are a team – with the resources available to get into a bidding war for one of the top running backs in college football, I think the addition of Judkins can be something that can level you up in, you know, like if, if you were the fifth best team in the conference, the addition of Judkins, if you've got enough other pieces around, could make you like the fourth or third best team in a conference. Yeah. Who, who, where would he fit? Well, I mean, look at the impact Cody Schrader had on Mizzou. Yeah. That was the work coming from D two. Mm-hmm. 
and that's that's exactly it. Right. Where, where, they didn't they didn't go to the portal and pay a couple million for him. They just said, "Hey, look look at this kid from Truman State. Let's try him out." And again, like if you're confident that he's cool with you running him, you know, 200 times, right? Like he missed some games this year. Mm-hmm. If I'm signing him to a big deal, I want to know why. Because I, <laughs> I, 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 like, I'm serious. I know, I know, I know. I like, know. is he a guy who cares? Because, like, I mean, you could sign a running back to a big deal. He's, he's what, one year away from getting drafted? Yeah. He's already going to get drafted ba- based on, on his tape. What's so he stopping from taking the check and you know <clears throat> we've seen guys do this those those hamstrings injuries they they do they do linger so look I, I think he's a stud back uh, he's already got a lot of mileage on the legs so buyer beware Bud Elliott I just yeah at that position um this one stood out to me in terms of a, a portal announcement because one year ago. When former Kent State wide receiver Dante Cephas announces that he's going to Penn State, like, wow, nice. This will be a thing that unlocks Penn State's offense. It didn't happen. Not like we thought it might. So Julian Fleming, who's played a lot of football at Ohio State, you know, at times has come up with a lot of big catches. You understand why he was a blue chip coming out of high school with him going to Penn State. I mean, I mean can we just, can we, can we play it back? Wow, Julian Fleming, this is the thing that unlocks the Penn State offense. I mean, Tom, does this move the needle for you at all when looking at what Drew Aller's got to throw to in terms of pass catchers in 24? Uh, I, I haven't dug too far into this yet. I was planning on maybe writing something about it this afternoon, but I, I think he's a talent upgrade over what they had in that room last year. I don't know if he solves the problems that they have. Like, Julian Fleming, for everything he did at Ohio State, and he was never the top guy. He was always like, you know, the third or fourth guy there because of who they had ahead of him. But he wasn't like a deep threat. Like Mm -hmm. he was very much a, you know, like a short slant kind of curl crossing route kind of guy over the middle, which is valuable to have. But from what I have seen of him and, and what I've looked at with the numbers, he doesn't strike me as the deep ball threat, which is what Penn State seriously lacked this year. But it'll also be interesting to see how he molds into that offense now that they've brought in Andy Kotelnicki from Kansas and what that offense is going to look like. So I think that, yes, this is a good move for Penn State. Yes, this is an upgrade for Penn State. I don't think it solves all their problems, though. Like, I think that there's still a lot of work that they need to do in their passing game and with their receiver core. And maybe, you know, some of the guys they have in there that didn't really get on the field this year and some of the guys coming in. Maybe those end up being those guys because Penn State has had them in recent years. But it's still, it's to me, it's not like, a, oh, wow, this will fix everything now. I I don't really know what, what Kotelnicki's offense looks like um, with a big-armed quarterback in it. Right? Like, oh. I, I know in, in, in the group chat we had discussed uh, like some of the stuff they've been running is, is a better fit for – Penn State's other QB, mm-hmm. right? Um, what's his name? Uh, Pergula. Uh, Pergula, yep. But at the same time, like, we really haven't seen him with, with like, a top NFL quarterback-type prospect, unless you think Jalen Daniels is that. And I, I think he's good, but not not, not like a, you know, canon necessarily. Uh, so I don't really know what it's going to look like. It, it's also – it's an offense that's evolved quite a bit. Like, uh, everybody borrows from each other in college football – and they uh, they borrowed heavily from Coastal Carolina after they played them in 2020. So like the, some of those elements started started popping up, which is smart because Chadwell's offense kind of scores almost everywhere it goes. So yeah, good idea. But like what I, I think it's an offense that probably has the ability to adapt, and I mean, Fleming probably helps him. Good blocker for the screen game. Yeah, he's a very good blocker. You know, like. You, uh, we're talking about the Kansas offense, which is exactly the top priority I'm looking for to receiver, but he is a very good blocker. <laughs> I'm sure Penn State fans would be just thrilled to hear that. Oh, he's a great blocker. That's awesome. No, they need I, the explosive big play receiver. Yeah, I, I think Julian, getting. I think Julian is a good player within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I have yet to see him prove anything past that yet. Yeah. I think Andy Coltnicki is the solution, not. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I think sense. it's gonna be and and then hopefully that collectively makes everybody better. 
any other big uh, transfer portal stuff that you've had your eyes on recently? Uh, I, I do think Texas A&M getting uh, Nick Scouton to visit over Florida State is uh, is a big deal for A&M and a big deal for Florida State. That That's the former a, Purdue. Uh, yeah. Defensive end. Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Purdue defensive end. Very, very good. The the shining star on a Purdue defense that uh, that was that was struggling a little bit yeah, at times this season. So he is not going to visit Florida State. Uh, the thought is that might be a one visit recruitment, and Florida State lost on getting the visit to Texas A&M. So uh, we talked yesterday. Like Mike Gravel is going to have to take a look, see if this defensive staff is good enough at recruiting to get to where Florida State fans expect him to take the program, which is one that competes for national titles, not just ACC titles. I'm very skeptical of that as I've been for like three years. So we'll see. Mm. I do think playing Georgia in the orange bowl, by the way, probably helps Norvell some like seeing the quality of player you need to sign out of high school, not the portal. They're not doing that. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah. if this signing class was supposed to be the one and there are good pieces, but on some of the not big good dogs. big pieces, not not yeah, not good yeah, big yeah. people pieces. Yeah, if they kept losing on, on some of the, the on some of the big chips down the stretch in that cycle. Florida State just kept falling and not being able to to, to finish the deal. So yep. for the third year in a row, yeah, I, I think they get out work too. So it, it, it's a good place to work. Damn. <laughs> I think Miami staff works harder. Yeah, I was gonna I, say I, there's I, another I, ACC staff in the state yeah. of Florida who the you know word on the street is like, man, you get you know really really work overworked and run into the ground. And guess what? They they land big dogs and they have higher yeah. recruiting rankings. Yeah, they so, don't use the ACC excuse. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. All right, <clears throat> time to turn our attention to the last game of the season. So coming up on the other side. We go into all the different ways, sides, totals, any quarter, half, team total bets that we've got for Michigan and Washington in the college football playoff national championship. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, a reminder, we'll do some of our best bets and our predictions for the game here. We're going to have a player prop extravaganza on Monday's show, Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, day of the game, uh, should have a full board really to be able to operate with as we get a little bit closer to kickoff. But first, let's take this uh, sort of line item by line item. Hear everyone's thoughts here. Danny, we've got Michigan minus five. Uh, what are you going to do with the side here? Lamb. I think this is Michigan's year. Um that's the the challenge everybody's looking for is Washington's offensive line versus Michigan's you know defensive front seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're both elite, but I do think they're going to be able to get to Michael Penix. Any good quarterback, no matter how good they are, I think you're thrown off your game by pressure, and I think they're able to do that. I think there'll be some big plays for Washington, but I think. They'll be able to prevent like the big plays. I think they can kind of maybe even play that bend, don't break, like don't get down, you know, to the end zone, or let them, you know, let them get down to the red zone, get red zone stops, force field goals. Those are wins. And I don't think we're talking enough about the other side of the lines of scrimmage. I think Michigan's going to be able to run the football against Washington's defense, play keep away. I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Blake Corum, and I think they're just able to lean on Washington. Um, I think if if Michigan doesn't have those, you know, screw ups throughout the game, I think they beat Bama by two touchdowns, possibly three. And that game's not even close. Um, I just think they're the better football team, so I'm going to lay them with Michigan. Agree. 
Agree. <laughs> hey, I mean, and let's go. Let's go. Historical trends here. Twenty nineteen. LSU is a four and a half point favorite against Clemson. They win forty two to twenty five in twenty twenty. Alabama is a nine and a half point favorite against Ohio State. They win fifty two to twenty four. 2021, Georgia, two-and-a-half-point favorite against Alabama. They win 33-18. to And, of course, we remember Georgia as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. They win 65-7. to That is four straight years of the college football playoff national championship favorites and not only winning the game and covering the spread, but covering the spread by at least 12 points. I am not sure about covering by at least 12 points, but there might be something to be said about the team that is better after pouring everything out and getting rid of, and this stood out to me a lot, talking to Washington's players after the win. They weren't blaming the long layoff. They were acknowledging that they were not crisp. You know, And, and I think that Michigan probably might say some of the same thing with some of the mistakes that they were making. So you've, you've gotten all that out of the system. You've gotten the short one week turnaround. So you're back into a game week mentality where you don't have to go and sit on your hands, even for an extra three days, you're coming right back in your regular season mode in terms of your calendar. That's what I would point to in terms of this recent trend that semifinals, you work it all out of the system. By the time you show up to the championship game, the better team on paper has won. that better team on paper is Michigan. Uh, I'm going to lay the points with Michigan as well. I just think, like, I'm not confident in either side, especially when it comes to the spread. I'm, I'm not that confident in the winner, although I do think Michigan will win more often than not. But when I look at the matchup, the things I keep coming to that make me lean towards Michigan are that we can talk about Penix, Adunze, McMillan, Polk, and they're great. And we can talk about how Michigan hasn't faced that offense in an offense like that this year. They haven't, but they faced it before. They faced it the last few years against Ohio State. And they beat Ohio State up. And that's what I think they are going to try to do to Washington. And I think Michigan's secondary this year is better than the secondary it's had the last couple of years. So I think that is a factor that they're not going to completely shut them out because you can't. But they are going to slow them down. And I do think they have the defensive personnel to kind of, like you were saying, Danny, make them play the bend but don't break. Where I think Washington is truly screwed here is that, as far as matchup is concerned, is... Michigan does not have an explosive run game. Like the Blake Corm injury completely kind of sapped that from them this year. They are a down by down, don't lose yards, stay on schedule, power rushing offense. It's what they've done all year. They don't need to hit the home run. They're just trying to get three, four yards, lean on you, wear you down, lose the clock, and break you in the second half. Washington's defense against the run ranks 130th nationally in success rate against the run. That means Washington's defense is routinely giving up three yards, four yards, five yards, letting you stay on schedule when you run against them. Michigan will be more than happy to take advantage of that. And I think that the way their offensive line performed in the Rose Bowl gives me a lot more confidence going into this matchup than what I had going into the Rose Bowl in them because I thought they played very well. And I just think Michigan is going to come into this game the same way it did most of the season and try to shorten the game, figuring the best way to keep Washington from scoring is to keep them on the sidelines and just Mm -hmm. control the ball, control the clock, and sit on them. And I think that more often than not, they will be able to do it. But if J.J. McCarthy makes a mistake like he nearly did on the very first possession against the Rose Bowl, if you fall behind Washington, I don't know if Michigan can climb its way out so to me that's going to be pivotal if i'm the huskies i need to get an early lead because i need to be able to kind of start the avalanche on them and if they don't michigan's gonna make it really hard for them to come back to yeah i i don't show like a real bettable edge on this um i think we have a fairly good feel for what the ceilings of these teams are i would expect both of them to play you know about at their ceiling i mean if you make michigan like a I don't know what, like a, like a 29. Well, don't power numbers have Michigan as like a 10? Uh, a 10? A 10 is like... No, 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 not a 10. A 10-point favorite. Like, the idea oh. is that this 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 spread has been adjusted based on raw power numbers because of how special Michael Penix and the passing offense is. That you can't throw that out there realistically knowing the explosiveness and, like, 
what we're dealing with, especially coming off that game, or at least the market's perception of that. Like, I want to say SP Plus had it at 12, like Michigan minus 12 or something like that. Well, that, that that's why I'm saying you, that you need to throw that stuff out. And and I like, I not throw SP Plus out, but you need to, to basically take it and put teams at their ceiling if they're playing for a national title. Because you have to sort of give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to play, like, they're playing pretty close to what their best is. Right. right. A season-long power rating is going to be baking in some things. Fifteen uh, to seven against Arizona State. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Where like Washington won't come out and say it, but Penix mysteriously played like he was hurt for like five weeks. Right. right? Um, like if forced to press and bet the game, I would bet some Michigan because I, I do show like on pure numbers, I still show a little bit of a Michigan edge. I'm going to pace it down a little bit. Washington plays very slow. Michigan also plays really slow tempo-wise. Like they both take a lot of of clock. So it's probably fewer possessions than normal. Uh, but it's it's a real small edge for me. Um I would I would rather bet Washington team total under if, if I think Michigan's going to win the game. Cuz I don't I don't think Michigan's going to score 50. You know, maybe they will. They no. certainly could. That's, that's, that's not the way that I think Michigan even wants to score. Yeah. 50. Right. That's, yeah, exactly. Um, I also kind of correlate just back on, you know, protecting Michael Penix and the matchup that we're going to see there. The Dylan Don- Johnson uh, injury, you know, hey, you know, it's the, what was it? The x-rays came back negative. So it's not as bad as we thought. I think I don't. I don't know if he's – I mean, I saw him like you guys all did at the end of that game. Did not look like he was feeling great. Granted, we've seen guys come back before. But if he's the shell of himself, not that you would be able to run, but also in pass protection, that's where I think it could hurt him as well because he's been pretty solid in pass protection, picking up linebacker blitzes and it recognizing him, getting the right guy. And there's a pretty you know, big gap in – playing time between Dylan Johnson and the less, the rest of the Husky backs. So I think that's another area where it concerns me, even if he's not, you know, if he's playing, but he's not a hundred percent, you know, I think it's, I think it's a big loss more than just the production in the running yards. I think it's also on pass protection. Johnson um, had two touchdowns, but only had 49 yards on 21 carries, 2.3 yards a pop in that game. It, it wasn't like he was ripping them off the same way that he was mm-hmm. against Oregon, um, you know, against USC. It wasn't the massive performance that, of course, being held by uh, Michael Penix. Um, I want to shout out the Washington fans that rock with us, by the way. Yeah, um, it feels bad. Like, I, and everybody's saying we were just doing this again, right? <laughs> Uh, Kyle and Gary specifically, like I, <laughs> they they were like, "Yo, Chip, cover three, you know, in the stands before the game, shouting at me on the sidelines. I go over to talk to them, nice. and they were so nice, and they said they loved it. And he's like, "And y'all pick against us every single game, and you did again. And guess what, Kyle? Guess what, Gary? We're doing it again. I can't believe it. But look, I, it's not that I would love to be wrong, um." But if Washington wins, it's because it means we've seen something special. That's what I like. I if Washington wins this game, then Michael Penix has put together an all-time playoff performance. These wide receivers go out there and uh, just sort of overwhelm Michigan with their playmaking. Bud mentioned in the the big game breakdown. You know, is it possible that those receivers are going to make? those contested catches as well as they did against Texas is, is Michael Penix going to be so dialed in like, is he just seeing the matrix right now that his ball placement is going to be so perfect for a second game in a row? The odds say no, but if he is, then we've seen something that is like an all time type performance. And I, I like seeing greatness. So if, if Washington wins and I'm wrong, I'm, I'm fine because it means we've seen something awesome. And I, I mean, I do think they're going to make contested catches. Yeah, they, they've, they, they've, they've done it, like their their contested catch rate is nuts all year. Is it going to be like as perfect as it was against Texas? That that is probably the question, right? And does it have to be? I I don't know. Like, I don't think it's disrespectful to Washington that most of us think that Michigan is likely to win the game. Nobody would like bet your house. I don't think on Michigan winning the game, right? Like. It's a really fun, good matchup. Penix has played 
like crazy good. Uh, all of the reports that we got in preseason that Jim Harbaugh, I think he actually just said this, that that he expects to break the all-time single draft record for draft picks. Well, you know what? He said that in the preseason. Michigan went out and played like they did and steamrolled everybody. Uh, you know, we, we got word early in the year from a coaching buddy of mine. It was like, eh, I think Michigan has the guys that people normally assume Georgia thinks they have. Like the stuff we hear, we're seeing play out on the field. I, I it's two fourteen and two fourteen and O teams. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like and Washington is a great fan base, by the way. Like I, I love watching. That's like underrated nastiness. Them that's and awesome. Oregon going back and forth is, it's great. And it'll there on the West Coast, just hey, not hey, everywhere on the West Coast. And listen, it'll be great when they're lining up on. The Big Ten on CBS in 2024. Oh, Tony Petiti's just sitting back in the cut and like you, you think he's texting thank you. Like, hey, what are you guys Tony's, gonna do this weekend? Tony also wants you to mention Chip that they'll be on other networks too. Well, listen, I'm I'm actually uh don't get in trouble, don't get in trouble. I think we'll <laughs> see a lot of Washington. So, you know, we'll, we'll it'll be great. No, we'll go we'll, we'll get a lot of Washington and, and we'll be dialed in for uh the Will Rogers era. Okay, tight uh total. Um 55 and a half, a shade under a key number of 56. Tom, what do we do with the total? I like the under. I I think because of the way Michigan's going to try to play this game, they're going, I think, like I just went over, I think they'll be effectively able to run the ball, and I think they'll be able to bleed clock, and I think that they will do as good of a job as reasonably can be expected of limiting the explosives that Washington so routinely gets. Although, fun fact, do you know Michigan has a higher p- explosive rate in the passing game than Washington does? Just throwing that out there. It's just they don't throw nearly as often. So it's a volume versus oh, an efficiency oh, okay. thing. But <clears throat> I think it'll be the under. I think Michigan will control the clock most of the time. And I think most people are assuming that if it is under, Washington can't win. I don't buy that at all. We've talked about it. They beat Arizona State 15-7. to Washington has won three games this year without scoring 25 points. They're capable of winning a rock fight if they have to. It's just not the preferred style of play. So I think even if Washington wins this game, the under can still safely hit. Oregon State and Washington State, two last regular seasons of the game, did it You know, fairly lower scoring. Both would have been under this total significantly. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, if you like Michigan – and you think about the way we've broken this game down, I think you have to say under as well. Makes me a little bit nervous later in the game, like that backdoor, you know, late touchdown, kind of slinging it around. If they stop blitzing, if they're playing more prevent, do they scheme something up? But what was your, uh, what was the number? Was it Washington team total under? Yeah, what is it sitting like 20, probably 24 and a half, 25? Yeah, I kind of like that one. <laughs> But what you do anything with full game total? I, if I had to bet it, I would kind of lean under. But I, I just boy, I Bud's Mister Cop Out today show. I tell you what, <laughs> if I had to bet it, on the line. I I bet some bowl games and, and you know and bet more second halves and stuff in bowls. And I, I just these feel like they're pretty pretty correctly lined. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Um, to me, I would I, be I, loved. I would as love they should to. be. Yeah, like if your job is setting a line on one game that we have tons of data on. Yeah, we'll just be, be on wrong. CBS Sports HQ leading up to kickoff. I'm gonna have about nine bets for you. So <laughs> <laughs> last game of the season, maybe we're just gonna hang for. Nobody's gonna remember the ones I got wrong because it'll be six months before I give them out again. <laughs> just I would love to be wrong and see it be a field goal game. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> change of subject here just reading the comments and during the show all day i love the fact that we have reached the national title game we have two 14 and 0 teams two teams who have repeatedly proven it over and over again all year and there are still people in the comments like well they haven't played anybody yet (laughs) (laughs) it kills me like they just beat alabama they just beat texas they beat ohio state before that they beat oregon twice they've beaten all these well we we still don't know they haven't played anybody i do think like if if you went based on resumes like who has done more versus more washington should win the game right like they've played in the best conference from start to finish 
they went undefeated in the best conference this year. But I'm I'm just like if you were going with they haven't played anybody, I think that's more of a legitimate criticism of Michigan, right? Clearly they've played people because of their last, you know, three out of the last four games. Yeah, well, it, I would I would think at this point Michigan has a higher strength of schedule than Washington does. I would say that if Michigan yeah. had not had the game it had against Alabama and you wanted to pitch me on if this game is close, Washington's proven it with 10 straight wins by 10 points or less, I'd buy it. But that win against Alabama required every bit of late-game execution on the field, good play calling on the sidelines, and being able to rise up in the most important moment when that Michigan defensive line is you know, pushing, pushing around Alabama's offense on key plays coming down the stretch in overtime. So... Yeah, I, I'm not going to put as much into that just based on how the Rose Bowl went for the Wolverines. I just think you can say that Washington or Michigan's beaten two top five teams and Washington hasn't beaten one, although they did beat Oregon twice. So it's like and when it comes to the strength of schedule thing, again, I'm not so sure that holds weight anymore. Um, all right. What about any, any quarter halves? And Bud says a little Washington team total under first half under punch it, feeling each other out. No, I see that's the thing. I don't think Washington's going to come out trying to feel anybody out. I think Washington's going to come out foot on the gas. And do they I think they have know, to? As a great offensive schemer, does he, you know, you do unlo- you get a couple of plays early because you've seen something that Michigan has to adapt to. Does that turn into a big play? Makes me a little bit nervous that too for Washington. So DeBoer is a really good scripter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, which is interesting. If you watched his halftime interview in that game, he was like, yeah, we just kind of wanted to come out and see how they'd play us and stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, bro, you guys score on your opening drive like all the time. Uh, so you must you, you must see how they're playing. And you're like, yeah, here's a touchdown for you. Let's see this. So, yeah, I, I would prefer full game under to first half under. Um, Washington first quarter? First quarter, like – <laughs> There's a way to bet first quarter. Correct. Tom just did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's to have somebody at a ball game with one of these. Is in the coin weighted? Can you tell me what it's going to be? Washington yeah. first quarter plus one and a half. You just need it tied or Washington lead. Why not? Yeah, right? Yeah. Zero, zero, three, three. Seven, seven. <laughs> yeah. You know, each of them gets a score on the board. I could see seven, seven. That was my uh, – I had first quarter over in Washington, Texas. It was over 13 and a half. 7-7 brings it home. All you need is just – you need each team to get a touchdown. Let's go. Buckle up. Um, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be getting into more of the specific player props, especially as we've got a little bit more time to gather information on you know, the availability of some of these players, uh, some of the game planning that might be going into it as well. So be sure to come and hang out with us on Monday, day of the game, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Then Monday night, as soon as that thing hits triple zeros, we are going live at youtube.com slash cover three with our national championship game instant reaction Two shows, one day. Make sure that you're with us. Subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Danny. Just final thought. Yeah. Just had to get this out there. J.J. McCarthy's line, his quote about... No, here you go. We do watch so much film and look for the little tendencies and spend like 10 to 15 minutes on one clip alone. Just looking at little details, details of the posture of linebackers or the DN, little stuff like that. Where it's like, okay, you can say it's all sign stealing, but you know, there's a lot more that goes into that play. That is not sign stealing. He is he is severely misinformed and trying to twist the message. I don't want to bring it up because I'm probably going to set off some Michigan fans, but that is not sign stealing. Studying film and studying plays is not the same as what they were doing. He also very much underestimated the amount of teams that steal signs at the very beginning of that quote when he said 80% of teams do it. It's not just eighty percent. Yeah, and, and like, of course, he was like, "Well, we had to change our signs because Ohio State was stealing signs." One more, I know everybody has to go. I don't. Why know hasn't anybody be. used the comms in bowl season? Have you seen any team use the comms? 
because that was legal this bowl season. Teams were allowed. Some did? bowls. It wasn't all bowls, right? It was just, just some bowls. Games. Yeah. I know Maryland did, and Auburn actually turned it down, like in the Music City Bowl. That was one of the games. Auburn didn't want to do it because the way that they run because their both offense. teams had to do it, right? No. Oh, no, so one both, team was both able teams to, had to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Auburn was able to say no, and Maryland was able to use the communication. Yeah, the only <laughs> headset that uh, the the only yeah, I found that head, funny too, but <laughs> the only headset communication that Auburn was using was uh, when they were uh, recruiting on Fortnite with their headset on, <laughs> trying to make, See, it, make it locked. Look, I'm, I'm saying, like, if somebody had told Freeze, "Hey, man, you can make calls on this thing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hugh Freeze would have been recruiting during the bowl game right. instead of calling. Freeze, like, phone. I only use one phone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he does. I'm not, not, not making calls on this headset. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, Alabama huddled. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that like was next year. We're going to communication, right? Like that's got to happen. Felt like a done deal. The helmet communication, and it's been kind of quiet. But I do think I think it'll be in next year. I, I hope so. Yeah, you know, I would love to just be past this. But think of no. all the guys that'll be out of jobs. All the guys in the Teletubby costumes. Like, what are they going to do now? <laughs> the guy, the one guy. Who's the who was the team where the one guy was grabbing his crotch as one of the symbols? <laughs> well, there was, was just one like, that was way more. There yeah. was another one that was way more NSFW than. Oh than yeah. Grabbing her crotch. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a quarterback. I think it was a quarterback. <laughs> Linebacker looks to the side. And he's like nuts, 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 nuts. <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought somebody did the crush shot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. All right. We will be back Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out for our props, spectacular, and so much more. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Congrats, Jerry. I knew you could do it.